Attorneys cannot claim expert status in any field of law. The name of this program was arbitrarily picked by the host. Welcome to Ask the Expert with noted radio host Steve Sleeper. Each week, Steve interviews entrepreneurs and professionals and shares their intriguing stories of success and service. Now, here's radio veteran Steve Sleeper. Our guest today is criminal defense attorney William Young with William Young and Associates in Boise, Idaho. They have the experience and expertise necessary and they pride themselves on being available to their clients. I began the interview by asking Will about himself. I am a criminal defense attorney uh, in Boise, Idaho, and I am the lead or primary attorney at William Young and Associates. What should I expect from a good criminal defense attorney? I think that a good criminal defense attorney is not only a strong advocate uh, for you in telling your side of of a story, um, and every case and every client uh, has a story. But I think that probably the most important thing uh, is is good communication with the client, because at the end of the day. All attorneys are essentially playing by the same playbook, right? Where we're all confined by the law and the facts of the case. And and so we can't go back in time and and change uh, the facts. And uh, we are not a legislative body, so we can't change the law. One of the strongest qualities of of a good criminal defense attorney is their ability to communicate with their client, relate to their client, and explain not only the process, but the options as they come up that are available to their client. And and so one of the biggest complaints I always hear from people when they talk about they had a bad experience with a criminal defense attorney doesn't necessarily have to do with uh, the attorney's job and actually practicing law, but it's, it's generally a breakdown in communication between client and attorney. What happens after a person is arrested, if you could describe the process? It changes from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, but generally, and it depends on on what you're charged with, but uh, generally you're taken into custody, uh, booked into the jail, um, whatever county or jurisdiction that may be in, and then you sit and wait for a bond hearing Uh, or an arraignment in front of a judge. Generally in Idaho, that takes place the next day. And at that bond hearing, then the court will set a reasonable bond, whatever they determine as a reasonable bond in the case, or release you on your own recognizance. What's the difference between a felony and a misdemeanor? Well, crimes are are classified into uh, two categories. The lesser category are misdemeanor offenses and Although still serious, they are are the least serious offenses uh, on this scale. Generally, misdemeanors are punishable by up to a year in jail. Jail is 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 important to keep in mind there, and maybe it's it's lost on non-attorneys. But there are two different types of confinement by the state: jail and prison. So misdemeanors are punishable by up to a year in jail, whereas felonies, the more serious of the offenses out there are are punishable by prison time and and so each felony offense will have different maximum and minimum punishments but that's actually be you know you're actually sentenced to 
uh, potentially state prison time rather than county jail time. DUIs in Idaho, I mean, what are the police looking for when they pull people over? The most common that we see are, of course, the driving pattern, what they pulled them over for. If you have somebody that's all over the road, uh, that may be more of an indicator than someone who forgot to put on their blinker when making a turn. But once they approach the individual, generally they're looking for the smell of alcohol, either on someone's breath or coming from their vehicle. They're looking for red and watery eyes, although I personally think that there are a multitude of reasons where why someone could have red or watery eyes, not all of them being indicators of intoxication. Um, they're looking for uh, the ability of the person to effectively communicate with them and answer questions, slurred speech. Those are kind of the main indicators, I would say, that when a police officer is speaking uh, with an individual, that they're looking for to determine if there's potentially the presence of, of intoxication. Do the cops make procedural mistakes? Police officers are, uh, are well-trained, but they do make procedural mistakes. And depending on that procedural mistake, uh, that will determine, you know, what the effect of it is. There are lots of procedural mistakes that while police officers make them um, are not necessarily a violation of someone's constitutional rights or something that would become a major issue in, in a pending criminal case. But certainly there are times where police officers make procedural mistakes that are in violation of especially the Fourth Amendment uh, search and seizure law. And it, during those times, they can have major implications on, on any pending criminal matters. Does a person have to take the roadside exam in Idaho? No, a, a person can uh, waive their right to... Uh, to take that. However, that mm, all you're essentially doing by, by waiving the, the field sobriety test, the roadside exams, is allowing uh, the police officer to then take a breath sample. So you're, you're skipping the process that would normally create probable cause, and, thereby allowing the police officer to, to take a breath sample. So you, you, can, you can tell the police officer you don't want to take the field sobriety test, but understand that that just furthers uh, law enforcement's efforts to uh, to get you to take the breathalyzer. If uh, anyone watches reruns of Law and Order, they hear the term plea bargain quite a bit. So, so talk about that. How prevalent are they in the system? Yeah, plea bargains are very prevalent. I think last time I looked cases that actually went, uh, of all varieties, uh, nationwide, cases that actually extended all the way to trial were less than 5% of cases, meaning that the remainder, uh, or the vast majority of the remainder of those cases, they reach a resolution through negotiations. And so plea bargains and, and negotiating plea bargains are a large part of my job. The process of you know, entering into a plea plea bargain generally is, is a matter of first evaluating the facts of the case and, and then the surrounding law, determining strengths and weaknesses in the case, obviously, and then utilizing those in a negotiation with the prosecution to try and find uh, an appropriate kind of solution uh, to the case, an appropriate punishment, um, whereby 
my clients are either pleading guilty to a lesser offense, um, which which certainly happens in in plea negotiations, or if they're pleading to the charges uh, that they're they're currently charged with. If we're unable to negotiate a resolution for a lesser offense, then then maybe we're focusing on the punishment that would be associated with with that entry of a guilty plea. Like I said, generally we're able to find some sort of solution, uh, a, a middle ground. If the state has a, a pretty solid case, then it won't behoove my clients to take it to trial because you know the risks of going to trial are very high. Um, so if we can find an appropriate resolution that allows them to, to proceed forward with their lives with a reasonable punishment uh, for whatever criminal activity took place, then, then that's normally a, a good outcome. Well, as we do this interview, we're seven months into the COVID-19 pandemic, end of September 2020. How are you, uh, how are you dealing with that? How are you um, meeting with clients? Uh, how, are the, how are the courts dealing with that? Yeah, COVID has changed a lot uh, of things in this profession, and we've all had to scramble to adjust. We are currently all, or almost all criminal proceedings in Idaho are taking place through some sort of remote method, typically Zoom or, or WebEx. Um, so video uh, hearings are taking place which of course was not the standard prior to COVID and, and it's something that we've all had to adjust to. And going along with that, meetings with clients in our firm uh, or potential clients uh, are currently taking place all through phone or, or uh, other remote means, Zoom. Sometimes it's actually an improvement upon the process uh, because it allows them to, to meet with us from the comfort of their home and to discuss their case in depth with us without needing to come into the office. But as far as it goes, I think that there is some efficiencies that have been gained throughout the COVID process. And so while it was initially a a tough learning curve, I think that there are some things that we've learned throughout this process that we can carry forward. Our guest today has been criminal defense attorney William Young in Boise, Idaho. His phone number is 208-344-0128. Thanks for listening to Ask the Expert with Steve Sleeper. Join us next time as entrepreneurs and professionals share their intriguing stories of success and service.